You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. We're in the second week of our series this week, uh, this point of view. So from a Christian point of view, we're looking at a handful of different things. And you know, if you remember at the end of the last semester, we asked, hey, what are some things you want to talk about? We said we're going to talk about it from a Christian perspective. And uh, last week we started with one of the things you wanted to hear about, and that was self and identity. Well, this week, tonight, we're talking about work or vocation. Okay, so you guys are in a season of life right now where maybe you work a job, or maybe you're studying in order to work a certain job, or maybe you do both of those things. You work a job and you're studying to work another job. And maybe in this season, you're trying to figure out what it is ultimately that you want to do. The, the end goal, what kind of end job do I want to have ultimately? And along the way, you're asking these questions of like, what am I called to do? What, maybe even like, what has God made me to do? Okay, and then you're asking these questions of, like, well, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? What would be fulfilling or satisfying for me to do? And those are not bad questions to ask. Some of them better than others, but there are a few things that we want to watch out for when we start thinking about these types of questions related to work. For one, we don't want to get the wrong idea about our identity. Okay, we talked about identity last week a lot, and we said that for a Christian, your identity is in Christ. First and foremost, that is the foundation of who you are, that you are in Christ as a believer. And that is where your identity is. But the thing is, when we start thinking about work, a lot of times it's easy to make uh, a connection between our career and our identity. Like you become, uh, in your mind, it becomes all about your life kind of revolves around that career or your work. Or maybe even for you right now, the, the idea of someday being whatever it is that you want to be or working whatever job you want to be. And, and your identity can get tied up in that. And ultimately, when you get to that place someday and you're working a job or maybe you're even there right now working something, your sense of self can rise and fall with the success or failure that you experience or that you feel like you're experiencing with the work. And the work can become not just the stuff that you do, but it can become the idol that you live for, that you begin to run to for your meaning and your value and your purpose. And it can sneak into the center spot in your life and become the thing around which everything else revolves instead of Christ. And it's a temptation even for a Christian to do that. So that instead of part of Instead of your work being part of your life, it can become your life. And instead of living out your Christ-centered identity through your work, instead your work and the desire for success in your work can drown out everything else if you let it. So we need to be careful not to believe that our value is determined by the work that we're able to do. We've got to be careful even in this stage of life, for those of you who are in school and, and have to-do lists and lots of stuff to do, that your value is not determined by your productivity. You know, the way you feel about yourself ought to not revolve around how much you're able to get done. You know, because your identity and your worth and your value is in Christ instead. Your work can be satisfying, work can be fulfilling, but it can't be the foundation of your life. And it can't be where you find ultimate satisfaction or fulfillment. Your work cannot be your God. For us as Christians, this is a, from a Christian point of view, right? 
And yet work is a big part of our lives. We're all made to do work. Work is good. It's a good thing. The original commission given to man, you know, we know about the Great Commission in Matthew. The end of Matthew tells us to go make disciples. But the original commission was to work. Genesis 1.28, he says this, And God blessed them, and God said to, the man, uh, said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And essentially, he's saying, your role as human beings is now to multiply, have kids, generation upon generation, generation, and then to cultivate the earth, to take what I have made and make something of it. Be creative with it. Make it useful. Make it purposeful. Work it. And then in Genesis 2, 15, he says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So work is built into our design. And, and it's not going to go away either. Like, we're going to work in the new heavens and new earth. Isaiah 65, we don't have time to go there tonight, but Isaiah 65, you start reading it, verse 17, and go on. It starts talking about what the new heavens and new earth are going to look like. Work is going to be there. But work is not a bad thing. But without all the things, uh, well, we're going we're gonna to work in the new heavens and new earth without all the things that we don't like about work on this earth. You know, because sometimes we can think like, oh, work, and we associate work with it. Uh, with something being difficult. Maybe you have some schoolwork that you need to do tonight, and you're like, work sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. Or maybe you have to go to work tomorrow to work a job, and you're like, I don't want to do that. And there's things about work that you don't like. The thing is, the things about work that you don't like are because of the curse, because of sin entering into the world. Genesis 3, if you keep going into uh, the narrative there, in, in 17 through 19, he's talking to Adam, and God says, curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all, your, all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the, the plant, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of you were taken. So work became difficult. Work had things that got added to it that you know, made it less enjoyable for us. We were designed to work, and yet now work is difficult and it can be painful and it can cause issues. And, but still, work itself is a good thing. And we have a calling as Christians as God's people, to honor God in the way that we work and what we do with what's been entrusted to us. But where we can get thrown off in doing that is obsessing over trying to figure out exactly what work it is that we're supposed to be doing. Sometimes we get, we get this mindset of like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. I, you know, I haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do yet. And so we get distracted with that and we don't do anything that's right in front of us instead. Like, the things that are right in front of us to do are the things that we set aside because we're like, I've got to find my calling. The thing that I was meant to do. We take personality tests and strength finders and we're like trying to figure out how am I wired, you know? What's my Enneagram number? You know, what kind of work is going to fit with that? And, and you can try to figure all these things out and, and just be like, well, what do I love to do? And you can come out of that going like, well, I'm not really sure. Or maybe you come out of it so sure. And you're just wrapped up in that. But we get trapped in this mode of trying to find the right thing, the one thing that we were made to do, the one job or that one role, and it can be paralyzing to us. And it can make us really bad at what we're doing right now because it can distract us from doing the good that's right in front of us. You know, and some of you know this, you're, you're maybe in between trying to figure out your major. You're in between trying to figure out what your future work is going to look like. And you can just be like, well... You know, because I don't really know for sure that I'm going to finish this major, I don't really want to work too hard on it right now. It's like it becomes this distraction of 
because I'm trying to figure out the one right thing, it makes me less good at the thing that's right in front of me. And I don't do good work in that thing. And you might be overwhelmed about that and trying to, you know, unable to complete the schoolwork that's in front of you because you're paralyzed by trying to figure out what it is that you're supposed to do. Or you might be at a job someday and be giving less than your best because you're like, well, I'm going to leave this job. I don't even know if I'm going to be at this job next week. So why would I work really hard? And you can get in that mindset, and it can make us, in the end, just jumping from one thing to the next, trying to find what, you know, what is the right thing that's going to satisfy us. And to make us go from, from thing to thing and, and, um, and leave us unfaithful to the stuff that's right in front of us. There's a biblical principle of faithful and little, faithful and much. You know, we want, we want all the much. Like, I want, to do, I want to do work that matters. I want to do something that matters, something that's going to satisfy and fulfill me, be purposeful. Or, like, I want to go do that thing somewhere in the future. I don't know what the thing is, but I'm going to go do that. But we're not faithful in the things that are right in front of us because we're too busy trying to figure out what the things are out there. But why would God entrust us with something in the future that is big, that we think is meaningful, if we can't be faithful in the things that are right in front of us to do? And so we, we get this, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to try to find what is a good fit for you. You know, something that matches up with your interests, it matches up with your abilities. But we don't need to romanticize it. Like there's just one. I gotta find the one, like in dating. Like I gotta find the one for me. Come on. There's not just a one thing that you can do in order to be happy. It's good to try to figure out what, what work you might be able to do best. Sure, it's good to try to figure out what kind of work you, you might be uniquely wired to do. You know, there's a, uh, a verse in Scripture, Ephesians 2.10, uh, and I think this is something that we go to a lot of times to try to figure out, okay, well, there's a unique thing that God has prepared for me to do. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, like, I got to find whatever it is that God has for me. You know, that, that's what I'm, I'm supposed to do now because I've got to find it in order for God to do the works in me. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. We need to be careful not to assume that the place where all our good works are going to be done is also where you're going to get paid. Because there may be a lot of work that you do for the glory of God outside of your nine to five. It may not always be attached to what you do for work. All these good works that God has prepared beforehand, that you should walk in them, that's not necessarily saying that you've got to find this really specific, unique thing that you're supposed to do, because if you don't find that one thing that you're supposed to do, then you're not going to fulfill the good works that God prepared for you. No, isn't he in control? Isn't he in charge? And he's the one who says that if I'll be faithful in what's right in front of me, then, then maybe he will set me over much, right? And there are things, uh, you know, there's always going to be things about our work, whatever it is that we end up doing, that we don't feel like are the good works that we're prepared to do. They don't fit with our interests. Don't, don't, they're not things that we like. There are things in my current job. I'm the college pastor here. Okay, and I love a lot of things about my job. But there's some things about my job I don't love, just to be honest. They don't just pump me up. I'm not always feeling satisfied when I walk away from a day of work. But that doesn't mean that suddenly, oh, because I'm not feeling satisfied all the time in what I'm doing, that I'm doing the wrong work. A lot of the good work that I do even happens outside of this job, and that will be the case for you as well. So obsessing over finding the work that you're going to be most passionate about and enjoy the most is not always going to return great results. You know, you know what I think is true is that the better you get at something, the more you'll enjoy it. 
Sometimes we're like, I got to find the thing that I will enjoy so I will be good at doing it. Well, what if you got really good at doing something, then wouldn't you start to enjoy it more? Like the more you got uh, acquainted with something and, and apply yourself to something and become skilled at that thing, wouldn't you enjoy doing that thing more? Now, I heard this in a podcast, uh, really just today. I went back and listened to this podcast. But it, it says that, uh, these guys say that people often think it's mastery uh, follows passion. But really, it's the other way around. Like we think, oh, I'm going to master something I'm passionate about. But instead, what if you mastered something? Wouldn't you then become passionate about that thing? It's interesting. They bring up this verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 29. It says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And it's like, if I want to become skillful at something, yeah, it might be good to go ahead and start with something that I already am fairly good at. If I have abilities, then yeah. You know, if there's abilities that lead to a certain kind of work, then yeah, maybe I should pursue that kind of thing. But the more skillful you become at something, the more uh, I think you will enjoy it and the more opportunities you will have to use those things. So I say all these things to say that you, you can apply yourself to a lot of different works and find enjoyment in those things and glorify God in those things. What's more important than finding the right work is working the right way. And that's going to be our focus going forward tonight. How does a Christian understand their work, and what should a Christian's work be all about, regardless of what that work is, whether that is paid work, unpaid work, volunteer work, school work, and beyond? Okay, so how does a Christian go about work? So 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12 is where we're going to be tonight. It's going to be our primary text. And if you would, go ahead and open up, try to find 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read 9 through 12. Starting in verse 9, it says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So just for a little context, Paul is writing to a church in Thessalonica, and he's writing to these believers, and uh, there's actually some other stuff we're going to talk about from Second Thessalonians, the second letter he wrote to these people uh, in just a minute. But he's writing to these people, and, and it's just, this is kind of almost like a little bit of an aside for him. He's been talking about, you know, something else, about how to live pleasing to the Lord and, and grow in sanctification. And he's been talking about, um, you know, avoiding certain sins. And then he gets to this point, and he's saying, well, you know, it's kind of this little aside. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. And then he finishes it off, and then he starts off with something else. So in these four verses right here in the middle, we're seeing some things about work that I want us to see. Uh, and first off is that work is a way to serve others in love. Work is a way to serve others in love. You know, you see right here in this first part of the text, in 9 and 10, he's, he's talking to these people, and he's saying, you have a reputation of loving people well. You have a reputation of, of loving one another well, and it's a reputation that's gone all over this area. The surrounding area around you knows about the way that you love. You're even showing love to them. So you're, you're pretty good at this thing already, of loving one another well. And he says, do this more and more. And then he attaches to that, and live quietly, 
mind your affairs, work with your hands. Keep doing all these things as you've been instructed and as you've had an example set for you. And I can't help but feel like all those things are connected. It's like showing love to others, this brotherly love, being connected with live quietly, mind your own affairs, work with your hands. You know, this, <clears throat> these things all working well together, that the Christian life is one in which all those things happen alongside each other. And so I, as I seek to show love for fellow believers, you know, those, the people that God loves, and, um, and as I seek to do that, all parts of my life will get involved in it. So he's saying, show brotherly love. And I think what he's saying by attaching these other things, like live quietly, it's like your whole life is meant to be love for these other people. You're meant to show love to these other people through all these things, including the working with your hands. So that even that is part of serving others in love. And here's how we can see this more clearly. You can compare two approaches to our work. Okay, I could do my work with a purely personal reason, or with purely personal reasons. Things like, I just want to make money to buy stuff that I need, to buy stuff that I want. You know, it could be, I want to succeed. I want to be recognized for my good work. I want to feel good about myself because I went and did something that was good or that I felt like was meaningful. It could be that you put in this extra hustle because you want to get ahead of others and be able to control your own career. I want to work for myself. I want to be an entrepreneur, so I'm going to go do all these things and, you know, so I could be my own boss. And you can work for purely selfish reasons, self-centered about me, or your work could be motivated by your desire to serve other people, looking after the interests not only of yourself but also others, looking for ways that your work can benefit other people. You know, I want to do a good job so that my coworkers and my bosses don't have to pick up my slack. You know, I want to do good work because there are people on the other end of this work that I want to have something quality from me, from my work, or from my service to them. I want them to receive something of value, and I want to serve them and serve, look after their interests rather than just my own. You know, I, I'm going to make sure that I do this thing, whatever it is that I'm doing, whatever work I'm doing, with integrity and excellence because and I want the best outcome for everybody around me. And which one of those seems distinctly Christian? The second one. You know, I could do all these things. I can work for myself for my own pure, uh, you know, personal reasons. Or I could do everything that I do for the sake of serving other people with my work. And that one seems, if I'm not wrong, like the one that is distinctly Christian. And so from a Christian point of view, we're looking, we say, hey, Work, for me, is a way that I'm, I'm meant to serve other people in love. And attached to that, one of the ways that we serve others in love with our work is by being able to provide. So there's a second thing we see here, that work is a means to provide. It's an interesting phrase at the end of the, of the section we read. It says, be dependent on no one. And that's interesting because I think Scripture is clear that we are dependent creatures on God. What could this mean for me to be dependent on nobody? I think it means don't make other people provide for you when you have the ability to provide for yourself. Okay, and this, this gets real interesting for somebody in your shoes, though. For a lot of you who are in school right now, you are dependent on other people helping you pay for school. Or you're kind of dependent on a future self, your future you, to pay off your school. You know, or you're dependent on, you're dependent on other people a lot in this season is what I'm trying to say. And so for you, you may just be, you know, in these places where you're like, you know, what does this mean for me? If I'm, 
supposed to be able to provide myself and I don't want to be dependent on anybody. You know, and for a lot of you, there's going to be times going forward when somebody else is going to provide for you. Like maybe after this, you are going to go get another degree. Somebody's still going to be providing for you. Maybe after this, um, you know, you have a time where you're between jobs and maybe somebody else is kind of helping you out or maybe you have a spouse and they're paying for things uh, while you're away from work. Or maybe you spend time in the future as an at-home parent and you're like, okay, well, what does this mean for me? I'm to be dependent on no one. Does that mean it's wrong for my spouse to be providing in the house right now while I'm at home? Is that wrong? And I'm going to say no. I think the point is that you be willing to work and not make other people, other people pick up your slack. Not making other people do the things that you could do or that you ought to do for yourself. And, you know, not all the work that you're going to do is paid for. In the future, and even right now, there are going to be a lot of things that you have to do that are not going to be paid things. So even if you're not providing with your work, you may still have work to do. And you want to do that work so that other people don't have to pick up that slack. Here's what I mean. Like, there are going to be things that have to be done around the house that nobody's going to pay you for. How many of you do your own laundry right now? Okay. How many of you depend on mom and dad when you go home on weekends or whatever to do your laundry? Okay, a few of you who are honest, okay. I depended on my mom to do my laundry probably all the way through college, to be honest. I don't remember when that started for me. It's like in the future, at least, for all of you, there's going to be things that you have to do around the house that nobody's going to pay you for, but it must be done. And in that sense, it's like I'm not providing You know, the only thing I could really be said to be providing is I'm providing clean clothes for myself and others. You know, in that sense, you can be providing. But there's also going to be some things in the future where it's like maybe maybe you don't have to provide with your work. Maybe because somebody in your household is providing and you don't have to work for a paid gig, but you volunteer. There's work to be done that you see needs to be done, and then you go volunteer to do that because you see a need. And in that way, you're not making other people fill in a gap where you're not working. Or if you're in school right now, instead of getting paid uh, to do work, you're paying to do work, right? So you're, you're paying to do work right now. But in, in this sense, like, you're still, you're like, you're not depending on somebody else to come through and do what is yours to do. Nobody else can do your schoolwork for you. You may not be getting paid to do that. You may not be providing anything. But in this sense of, like, be dependent on no one, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't want to assume that other people are going to come through and just, you know, make a way for me. I'm not going to make that professor, uh, you know, bend the rules for me because I wouldn't get my work turned in on time. I'm not depending on somebody else to do or fill in where, where I should have. And you guys are working right now to prepare to provide. And for a lot of you, you're going to provide in the future um, for the education experience that you're getting right now. And so if if you're being irresponsible right now with the work that you have in front of you and unnecessarily throwing on somebody else a burden that was yours to carry for your own provision, then you're in the wrong. Don't be dependent. Be dependent on no one. This kind of sense of like, I need to do what is set in front of me to do and not depend on somebody else to do that. You know, and, and it's not just that, you know, you're working for your own provision with work. But you are 
even if it's not the case right now, you are going to work and affect other people and be able to provide for other people by the work that you do. You know, one of the ways that we serve others in love is through uh, the things that we're doing, but part of that service that we're doing in love is providing for people that we love, whether that's in your family or whether you're working and making money so that you can help other people out through generosity. Part of work, one of the main reasons for work, especially for us as Christians, is to look and say, I want to work in such a way that I can provide, not just for me, but also for the people who depend on me, but then also for people who have a need that I see over here and I can be generous for. So I want to do work. I want to do good work in order to provide for even people that I may not even know, for the needs of others. And again, it's not just about making money. It's it's about providing in all kinds of ways, right, for other people. But like work itself is meant for us as a way of serving other people and providing. And these two things can be sort of pulled together. And then you consider how that work that you're doing and, and that you plan to do, you know, how is that going to serve other people? How is it going to provide something for them? Because that's what my work is meant to do. There's a third point of an unwillingness to work leads to sin. An unwillingness to work leads to sin. You could even say that an unwillingness to work is sin. So it is sin, and it leads to sin. You know, and it's a deviation from our design to refuse to work. Work is part of what we're made to do, whether it's work that we get paid to do or not. There are necessary, there's necessary work that needs to be done, things that you are responsible for and will be responsible for. And so for you not to do those things, it is sin. And it should be no surprise that a refusal to do something that we were made to do is not only sin, but it's going to lead to other sin. We talked about, you know, work as a means of providing. Take a look at this verse from 1 Timothy about neglecting to do that as a Christian. So 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's a hard one. You know, like that's, that seems pretty serious. You know, and you probably don't have a family yet that you're expected to provide for. Um, it, but just because there's nobody in your household right now doesn't mean that that's always going to be the case. And the things that you do right now matter. Because if you're unfaithful in the work that you, that's right in front of you right now, how can you expect to be faithful in the work that you're going to do in the future? What you practice now is what's going to be a habit formed in the future. And so you want to create good habits of work and good motivation behind work, even if you can't provide for somebody right now. You don't have anybody to provide for right now. You want to, you want to provide for those around you with good work and serve them. You want to provide uh, set yourself up to provide for others in the future. It's not just about a failure to provide that makes it sin. When you don't employ your body and your mind and your energy in purposeful ways, what is the result? When you don't do that, what is the result? It's what the Bible might call idleness or laziness. So this is where we're going to get into the second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians 3 is writing a second letter to these people. And honestly, the letter has almost nothing to do with work. It talks a lot about end times and being looking for things that are to come. And then he gets toward the end of this letter in 2 Thessalonians 3, and he says these things to the people. A second letter written to them to these same people. It says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. 
For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that, the same, we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Interesting, just like thrown right into a letter about other stuff. But clearly this was an issue for them. Clearly there was some people in the church community, maybe who were like, you know, freeloaders. Oh, we'll just, you know, y'all, y'all got it, y'all got everything. Y'all can take care of my needs, right? I'll just do whatever, you know, I want over here and, but he's saying that, no, if somebody's not willing to work, they're not willing, you can't, they can't eat. That's pretty harsh, right? And, and Paul is saying, look, look we, we set an example for you. We didn't just sit in our hands when we were with you. If you were to go back, actually, in 1 Thessalonians 2, he, he kind of says, like, hey, we worked really hard. We worked night and day. We, we put in time, and we weren't sitting around idle. We, we wanted to contribute to the community. And what he's saying is, like, like look, you can't just be sitting around doing nothing and, and being idle, he said, because that's, that's not who we are in Christ. To do nothing, to sit around and, and not contribute and to be idle. And if you're in school right now, I know you're in a season of life where you're, you always feel busy, but it's easy to be lazy and procrastinate and maybe even blame the feelings of busyness for the laziness and procrastination. Oh, I'm so busy. I just, need, I just need to chill for a little bit. I just need to hang out, not do anything. When really, like, did you do anything the rest of the day? Did you do anything earlier today? And you kind of blame those feelings like, oh, I just feel such a burden on me. And yet, eventually, you do feel that weight and that burden of all the things you have to do, but you haven't done anything. And I'm not, I'm not speaking to all of you. I'm speaking really to myself from back in the day. That's the way I would do things. Wait till the last minute. The thing is, the habits that you form right now are going to carry over unless you intentionally change them. And so if you're creating habits right now of just hanging around and being idle, eventually, when you grow up, I'm not saying this you're not grown. I'm saying at some point in time in the near future, when you have to do things on your own, you're not going to be ready to do that because you have formed habits of laziness and idleness and procrastination. Ephesians 5, 16, it's not on the screen for you, but it's Ephesians 5, 16, says that we should make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Part of what that means is that if you don't do something with your time, you will drift toward evil. Where there is no intentionality with time, time is often wasted. And often, you know, they're wasted and it's, it's just poor stewardship. You do know our days are limited. Our days are numbered for what we can do on this earth. And if we waste our days, we are not stewarding well what God has given us. And that itself is sin. So we're not being intentional. We drift off into things. But it's not just bad stewardship. Because if you don't live out that design to work, whether it's with a job or with schoolwork, volunteering, or uh, being a stay-at-home mom and doing the things around the house, or just doing the necessary work around where you live, like, then you're likely going to fill some of the time that you might have been working with less than desirable stuff. If you leave yourself idle for very long, you probably get into some things that aren't great. I don't want to be misunderstood. You can't work all the time. There is such a thing as rest. It's commanded in Scripture. 
The world doesn't rest on your shoulders, so you shouldn't make yourself feel like, oh, I've got to carry all the burdens. I've got to be working all the time. It is good to slow down. And relationships are valuable. They're worth spending time on. And by all means, you should not fill all your time with work to the detriment of your relationships. Okay, I, I have said this before to people. I think people over tasks. Okay, because I, I just feel like that's the value, like the priority here. People over tasks. And I know that right now in your life, friendships are valuable in this, in this season of life. And I'm all for that. So it's not all about work and filling your time with all this productive stuff. Because, again, your value and your worth doesn't come from how much you can get done. What I'm saying is that when you skip out on the things that you're responsible for and are unintentional with your time, you can be what Paul calls a busybody. A meddler is one way to say it, is a word. And that's the opposite of minding your own affairs. So in verse 11, the spider live quietly to mind your own affairs. You can easily, when you're not busy doing the things that you're responsible for, get caught up in the lives of other people, caught up in the affairs of other people talking about other people, talking about what they're doing, talking about what they shouldn't be doing, talk about all the things they should be doing. You could be gossiping, slandering, tearing other people down, maybe even actively working against other people as they try to do what they're responsible for. And it becomes, it's become really easy to do that in our world, to get caught up in other people's lives when we have things that we need to be doing. Because of social media, it's like so easy just to spend time just scrolling through what somebody else is doing and ignoring what you should be doing. And that's not what we're called to be. If we, if we spend all our time meddling, eventually we're going to find ourselves being judgmental, comparing ourselves, talking bad about other people. It's just the days are evil, so make the best use of the time. It's easy to slide off into these, into these other things. Not to mention the other ways that we might fill our time when we're not, not intentional with it. You can begin to fill in the blank with some things but some ways that we might fill our time when we're not intentional with it. We're not doing the things that we're responsible for. We're trying to set those things aside and be idle. Find things on your phone that you shouldn't be looking at and waste your time on that. You begin to consume things and and overdo things. And again, you can let your own mind wander into what those things might be for you, where you are not being responsible with your time and not being intentional with it, where those things go. But an unwillingness to work leads to sin. The last thing for us, work's an avenue to proclaim the gospel. It says in our text for tonight, verse 12, so that you may walk properly before outsiders. And there are a lot of things that could fit under that category of, of I need to do all things properly before outsiders. But one of those things is definitely your work. For a lot of you, you're going to work for and with unbelievers. Maybe you already do. Or the work that you do is going to be for unbelievers. You're going to provide a service or some kind of product or whatever. The things that you do are going to be working for other people who are not believers. So how can the work that you do fit into walking properly before this unbelieving world? The quality of your work, for one. Matthew 5.16, again, it's not on the screen, but it says, you know, you want to let your light shine Brothers, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I know that means all your works. Like your whole life, your whole life should be pointing to him. But don't you think that also includes the work that you do as a job or vocationally? You know, I want to work in such a way that the unbelieving world would look at it and see that it's honoring to the Lord. And that means I'm going to, ha- I'm going to need to give good effort. I'm going to need to work hard 
if I halfway do work for somebody and don't give them the best with the time that we agreed for me to work on something, are they going to see it as honoring the Lord? Is that going to point them to our good father? No, it's not. Will they want to honor your God based on the half-hearted work that you put in? Probably not. You know, and I, I want to be, um, you know, well, well, let's think of this. Like a big contributor to the level of work that I put in, the level of work that you're going to put in is going to come from your attitude about the work. I know that you have classes that you don't care for, classes that are not attached to your major. There's going to be tasks at your jobs that are not things that you really care for. And there's going to be times where you want to complain. You want to be negative about things. But Philippians 2, in Philippians 2, Paul says this. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He says, live quietly in our text tonight. To aspire to live quietly. I say live quietly, particularly in the area of negativity. If you have a negative thought about something, don't share it. If you want to complain, you have those complaining thoughts, don't complain. Because we have an opportunity. If we won't complain, we won't grumble, as Philippians 2, as Paul says there, we have a chance to be lights in the world, shining as lights in the world. How many, how many of you have been around a person who is negative and, and it just like ruins your thought about them at that moment? Somebody who is consistently negative about what they're working on, you know, you're like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. You know, you can complain all day. You, can, you know, I'll sit here while you complain about that thing, but I'm not actually going to listen. Man, I'll tell you, I will stop listening to people if too much of what I hear is negative. I just tune out. And that's the thing, like the quality of our work and the attitude we bring to it, it can honor the God that we live for. And as a Christian, that should be the goal. Our work can and ought to honor God by just the, the quality of it and the attitude that we bring to it. And that opens up doors for us to be able to talk about what we believe and have people actually listen to us. Because if you're negative all day at work about the things you have to do, and you just share in all the negative conversation, as soon as somebody else strikes up something negative, oh, I hate this boss, they do this, blah, 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 and you get right on in that, as soon as you start trying to talk about Jesus, they're going to like, no, I'm, I'm tuning that out. You have an opportunity to shine as lights in the world, both with your work and the quality of your work and your attitude. We want to do what we do well with a God-honoring attitude. We also want to do it with our eyes open for opportunities to share the gospel. Because the people that you interact with, because of the work that you do, are people who need Jesus. And the people that you do work for, they need Jesus. And the boss and the coworkers that you work with, they need Jesus. And all those people are in your life or will be in your life and someday in the future when you have a job and a career. All these people are going to be in your life because of the work that you do. And those people are exactly the people that God has brought into your life in order to share the gospel with. See that whatever work you do or plan to do, can be this direct avenue into people's lives who need Jesus and see yourself as a faithful witness in that place. And then be faithful in the work that you do so that you don't hinder that witness. The one thing that you may have noticed along the way that every point that I've made has pointed away from self-centeredness in our work. Personal gain, success, advancement, eventually that's gonna leave you feeling unsatisfied. If you live for yourself in your work, it will leave you unsatisfied. The selfish ambition can be a, a decent motivator. It can help you get down the road a little ways. 
But I'd be willing to bet that at some point you're going to look back over what you've done and accomplished for yourself and feel a deep sense of regret because you weren't made to work for yourself. At the very core of our work as Christians is one all-encompassing, outward-focused motivation. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 kind of tells the story. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. What stands behind my serving others is a love for Jesus. And what stands behind my determination to provide, knowing that the most important provision is mine eternally in Jesus. What makes me want to work hard and to do things with excellence? Because I want to point others to Jesus. I want them to see the one that I serve. I want them to know Jesus. So for us as Christians, really it ultimately comes down to this is not about me. Even my work, it's not about me. It's about him and what he has directed me to, that is serving others and providing for others, and then uh, sharing the gospel with others. But really for us Christians, that's only going to happen as we continue to follow Christ and find our personal worth and value and motivation in him. If we're looking for satisfaction and fulfillment in the job. We're not going to find it there. We've got to keep pursuing him and find all those things in him And as we do that, he's going to help us approach our work in that Christ-centered and Christ-like way so that his life within us becomes more and more evident. And that's the ultimate goal, to bring him glory and point to him.